Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. This is a fun one. You know me, I love the data, and data drives a lot of what the world does. And ultimately, you can use data as a crystal ball to inform your decisions around business, investing, right, your health. Uh, We've become this world that, you know, one of the greatest currencies of the world is data. And today, my guest, Philip Stutz, uh, founder of WinBig Media, uh, got his initial start in the marketing and um, data world around political campaigns. He has helped elect three presidents. They work with Fortune 200 companies all around the world. And we really got to dig into some cool, 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 one, um, psychology around data, but two, you know, the kind of action taking of consumers and individuals as a whole, one, understanding some of the insights in the, you know, political arena, but two, how he kind of extracted all of the lessons and learnings from the political world and the campaigns that he was running to help presidents get elected and, you know, Senate races, congressional seats, all kinds of stuff. And pulled that out into the business world. Now they're working with, you know, the NASCARs and college sports and professional sports and just average everyday businesses. And he broke down in this episode Uh, some really insightful stuff that I think will help anyone, whether you're just building your own small entrepreneurial platform, your own personal brand, you're running a big, you know, business that you're looking to scale. Um, He talked about the five steps for an undefeated marketing plan and breaking it down what those look like. We talked about some of the formulas he's used for presidential and political campaigns that have been massive successes. We talked about how he took his business early on from being just kind of that solo biz operator and, you know, working in it yourself, solopreneur to turn it into a real business that's going to do over a hundred million dollars this year. We talked about the difference of culture and perks and how your employees and attracting talent, retaining talent into your workforce is something that has really shifted. And pretty much everything that he notices and sees and does all has to do with data and what decisions he does or doesn't make has to do with the data. And so we talk a lot about that on the Wealth Building Wednesday show, right? Uh, we talk about it on episodes like this where let the data help drive that decision for you instead of allowing your emotion to dictate what it does. We talked about the different you know, changes that are happening with consumers right now and how that can help you going forward. We did dig into politics a little bit and you know, some of the things that he's seen um, with the data that they're using to derive their marketing strategies and campaigns, how he uses data in his personal life and his own wealth building journey. It was a really fun episode and he's got some great free information for you guys as well. So be sure to check out millionairemindcast.com in the show notes for Philip Stutz episode or head over to philipstutz.com, winbigmedia.com. They have all kinds of cool stuff that you guys can check out. Uh, But without any further ado, let's dig into today's episode with Philip Stutz right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com 
forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Philip Stutz. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Good to see you. You know, I've been grinding. You've been like, you know, well, you've been grinding for a long time, but you've been relaxing for the last couple of weeks, right? Now kind of getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, you're getting the best of me. I love it. (laughs) We're getting the recharged Philip Stutz uh, of Win Big Media. Um, Many people don't know, obviously, you know, about some of the history and background of, you know, when they think media, it's, it's one thing, but then you, you come from the very uh, cutthroat world of political marketing. And I know that, um, you know, there are some definite clues of success in conversion and customers and influencing behavior and all kinds of stuff that we can probably dig into today. But how'd you get into the space, man? What, where'd your entrepreneurial journey start? I'm uh, I'm the first generation of ADD kids, okay? <laughs> so uh, I, I wasn't even AD, ADHD hadn't been invented yet. It was just ADD. And uh, in the 1980, so I'm 48, and in the 1980s, uh, I was put on Ridland because I was so ADD. And um, uh, the long story short is, you know, I can only really pay attention to things I'm really passionate about, Right. And there are only two things I really cared about when I was in high school and college. And that was uh, college football, because I'm from Alabama and I went to the University of Alabama. Oh, Super Bowl Tide. I'm wearing oh, your colors today, bro. Dude, I mean, I, I even work for Alabama. We market the University of Alabama's uh, name, image, and likeness marketing program right now. Hey, I had I lunch it. with Coach Saban the other day. So, but, uh, and then the other thing was, uh, I really was interested in not in politics, but not like policy or anything like that, but like marketing, the political campaign stuff. Thought that was super interesting, super cool. And those are two things I just kind of paid attention to through high school and college. I mean, I literally was like 22 years old and, and people, I was like, you know, five months, six months away from graduating. And I had literally 0.0 idea what I was going to do. I wasn't applying to jobs. I had no idea. Uh, uh, probably much like a millennial now uh, or a Gen Zer now that uh, they're like, I don't know, I'll just figure it out. Like that's literally how my path went. And then I had a chance to do an internship on a presidential political presidential campaign and moved out to San Diego, worked on that. And just, I just was like blown away by how intense, how fun, how passionate, how purpose-driven it was. And I went, wow, this is something that I could be successful at because my ADD got hyper-focused with it. Mm. And that was sort of the launch. I mean, I spent the next eight years as a vagabond living all over the country, running political campaigns, been a part of eight presidential campaigns at this point, three winning presidential campaigns at this point. Uh, But by about about 2005, I was about 30 and I just went, man, I have got to find some roots and settle down. So I moved full-time back to Washington, D.C., opened a political consultancy company, ran that for about 10 years. And then I went, woo, the world's changing. There's this digital stuff, media stuff coming out. I need to own that space. Created um, a political ad agency in 2015. We've blown that up to, you know, um, we're going to be surpassing 100 million in that in the next uh, year or two. And then just started creating sub-businesses under it. So we have a corporate marketing agency now. We have uh, about six other businesses tied to all of this. They all kind of inter, inter uh, they're, they're all interaligned with each other. Um, and yeah, you know, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, Matt, it's like, how old are you now? 34. Okay, cool. So when you get to be about 38 to 42, as happens to almost everybody, you hear about this like midlife crisis. Uh-huh. And, and I align it with like, you're going, your whole life, you're going up this uh, roller coaster. And it's like, do, 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 you're just going up, 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 up. And then about 38 to 42, you crest on top of the roller coaster and you look down and you go, oh my God, that's it. Like it's downhill from this point forward. And I'm, what am I doing? Like, and there are people out there that, 
go do bad things at this point, or they buy Harley Davidson's like my parents' generation did. Uh, or like me, I just started being an entrepreneur, like a real entrepreneur, not a fake entrepreneur, not a one-man solo guy, right? Yep, yep. And started launching building businesses, going nuts. And so I've spent the last eight years just focused more than anything on building as many of these companies as possible. We have no debt. We have no outside investors. And um, and they've all been, all of them are successful. And it's it's been a fun journey. But what we the premise behind the question that you had more than anything else is that I saw, no matter what you feel about politics, whether you hate it, love it, hate the right, love the right, hate the left, love the left, I saw the way that we market politicians to voters. And I said, there's nobody in the business world right now that knows how to take the strategies and the formula that we utilize in electing presidents and translating that into using it for your business to get customers to buy more of your products or services. And so I, I'm kind of one of those people that kind of finds avenues and lanes that no one's going down and saying, I think I can make something of this. And so I kind of, the only guy out there in the world that sort of says one presidential campaigns, and I'm translating that formula that elects presidents into business owners sort of influencing and converting customers and clients. I love it. And I know we're going to dig into a little bit of that here today so people can apply this to their business, to their personal brand, whatever it may be. Um, I want to get your take on a couple people in the marketing space as well. Um, But you you said something that I think is, is important for most entrepreneurs to hear and hear again and hear again and hear again, which is, you know, this fallacy that if you're an entrepreneur you're a business owner. And Uh, most people ultimately remain a slave to their own business and never get to unlock the real benefits of being a true business owner um, over the course of their, you know, entrepreneurial journey. And what, what was it for you that allowed you to go from being that solopreneur to now building multiple seven, eight figure, you know, going to 10 figure level businesses that most people, they don't unlock. So I, I was, uh, it's very clear. I, I heard a podcast with Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins in mm. 2014. And I realized I was trapped. I realized that in a solopreneur's journey, you could have a lot of clients and make a lot of money. And then the next day you could have half the clients and the only person that's responsible is you. And all of a sudden your income drops in half. And I went, ooh, that's not, lever- I'm not leveraging my talent or my ability, right? There was no leverage. I'm the only leverage point. And I realized that I, if I wanted to sort of create um, maximum wealth, but also cover my blind side, my, 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 my downside, right? That I, I had to build this thing much bigger than I was. And so I went, uh, I remember listening to this interview, Matt, and I, um, I ran home and I Googled Tony Robbins because honest to God, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I knew his name, but I didn't know anymore. I'm 40 years old at that point. I didn't even know. I mean, Tony's been around my whole life, right? Yep. And so I, uh, he had a business mastery course. Um, it was a, you know, a mastermind. And I, I said, I don't know what he's charging, but I'm paying, right? That's the power of Tony. Uh, and then we, so I signed up, I paid $10,000, which I had never written any kind of proactive check in any of my businesses and any of my business in my business in 10 years, right? Never. How, why would I do that? That's a waste of money. So I wrote it and it was like the scariest thing I've ever done. And that first day he, it's like a four or five day thing, but like the first day I'll never forget. He was like, um, you know, are you a business owner or are you a business operator? Because they're just two different definitions. Yep. And I realized I spent 10 years literally chasing my tail being an operator. And I, there was no more challenge to that. And frankly, it's not fun. And frankly, it leaves me vulnerable to losing. You know, I think I had at one point my solopreneur journey, I had some like seven clients. And then for, for factors that had nothing to do with me, I lost like three or four in like a one month period. And my income was literally cut in half. Right. Mm -hmm. And I went, God, that is not, I don't want to be 55 and have this happen to me and chasing my tail. Like it just doesn't sound like what I want to do. So 
I just committed to being a business owner. I've had to fluctuate as I create businesses. You kind of have to be an operator for a while. So you learn the business, but you guys got to work your way out. And so, you know, with all of our companies, I've, I've, all of them, but one, I've pretty much worked out of operator level. And then the one that I'm working with right now that I started three years ago was the corporate ad agency. And we've gotten to, to a point where I'm scaling it pretty large now. And uh, I'm, I'm out of it in about three months. Not, not out of it, but just out of the day-to-day. Right. More operating. in the visionary versus the integrator role. <laughs> right. You're, yeah. you're, you're right. stepping into that owner's right. box a little and, bit. And, and man, you just said something that was brilliant. And I wish everybody could know this. The, the key to success to anybody right now is you have to have a visionary and you have to have an integrator, right? Yep. Um, we were attraction. We, we used to do a lot of traction stuff. So I'm sure you're familiar with that. That's yep. why that language comes from. But um, uh, every time I don't bring an integrator into my businesses, it is a disaster beyond words and not like, look, I'm a great visionary, but without an integrator, I'm a terrible visionary. Right. And so the key to my success is finding great integrators that can take my vision and help implement it because I'm not the implementer. I'm the worst at implementing. I want to throw up when I think about (laughs) implementing anything. Right. But I could spend 10 hours a day and my ADD completely focused if I'm thinking about vision, mapping out how things would work, and then being able to hand that off, right? And so that's sort of just how I've built everything. And where I've had a ton of success, but also a lot of failure is not recognizing that. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you mentioned that because that's so true. And we 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 do we use we run our our hotel business off of um off of uh, traction. traction. Yeah. Nice. That being said, I'm curious. You know, h- how have you gone about? identifying whether it's integrators or, you know, right. The biggest thing I think that limits a lot of people is they want to, you know, hoard responsibilities and activities. They never fully allow leverage to come into their world. Right. And it's this kind of hamster wheel. So what has been your strategy, your approach for how you attack, you know, not only, um, attracting talent into your organization, into your vision, you know, how do you make it sticky? How do you retain them? You know, how do you create this environment and, uh, and company and opportunity that people want to be a part of that you've done so successfully across multiple businesses. Yeah. Fuck it up a lot. And then I learned, (laughs) right. Yeah. I mean, honest, that's the honest answer. So my, my partner, my business partner and I sat down a couple months ago as we were sort of envisioning, cause we've got all these companies now we needed to create a holding company. We needed a management system in place and all that stuff. And we're like, what, what are the three core components of how we want to run the company? And number one was hiring and retention because all of our mistakes, all of them come to hiring and retention issues, all of them. Yep. So why don't you make it number one priority and get it all right? Like, what what are you doing? Like, that's, that's what we were saying, you know, Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, what I mean, a couple examples. So one is there's a difference between company culture and perks. Perks are totally different, but we live in a perk society. Mm. The way millennials and Gen Z, which is mostly what my workforce is, um, they they want to the cultural the word the word culture in a business has completely and radically changed since COVID. So we we were in a world where the culture before COVID was about we. It was about we're in the office, we're together, uh, we go to happy hours, we spend time together, we treat people the right way. We had this incredible culture in our company. Like yeah. we made it a huge, huge priority when we created it in 2015. We're going to come together. I, I have a political ad agency and we have people who diametrically oppose the political views of the people we represent, yet they still work with those candidates. Why? Because they love the people they work with. Like that's really a cool thing to see. Then COVID hit and you went from a world of we to a world of I. Yeah. And what you saw was people said, we don't want, we're not here to help serve each other. I want you to serve me and my purpose. That's what the workforce wants right now. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking for us coming together and having outings together and being together. We went from together to to literally me. And so we've had to adjust mightily to that because it's hard to build a culture when everybody's work remote. And so what we realized was 
you have to serve the individual purpose of every single employee. Why do they want to work? What are they looking for? It's all of them are different, right? Um, for example, about six months ago, we were looking to hire in our corporate ad agency and we put out, you know, LinkedIn ads or whatever. And we got where we, it was like an account rep, rep uh, job for, you know, client accounts. Yep. And we typically get 25 resumes and we put stuff out and, and boost it and, on, and, and pay for it. And we got two resumes and one of the people said, I'm making 50 grand right now, but I want to make 150 if you hire me. Like, and I'm like, what? Like, what is going on in the world right now? Like, this is insane, right? Yep. And and I was like, what is going on? We always get these resumes and now we're not. And my integrator in that company calls me and says, well, let's tweak the ad. Let's just say all work remote on it. Now, same ad, literally that's the only tweak. And let's just see what happens. Because we kind of moved in that direction and we just hadn't made it a policy. Right. So we changed it on a Sunday morning to all work remote. Sunday night, we had 172 resumes. Wow. And we went, oh my gosh, things have changed. Yep. People want to work the way they want to work, where they want to work, when they want to work. And you better, as the business owner, serve their purpose. That's culture now. That's retention. Mm. And so one is, un, you know, we've in, you know, we, uh, at our company, we have, um, if you've been with us a year, you get there's a stock option program. Um, you have all unlimited uh, vacation days in our company, plus holiday, plus federal holidays. Um, you know, you you can work remote. Like we have great recruiting tools into this company, but those recruiting tools are also backed up for when they work with us. They get all the things that we promised in the recruiting, yep. and so we've had to work. That's like a twelve month thing that we worked on that got, we got wrong over and over and over. And then we found like, Jesus, we just got to get this right. And we adjusted and adjusted and optimized and optimized. And finally we're getting it right. So if you're listening now, you literally can steal this idea that took 12 months of pain and sacrifice and money and almost losing one or two of the businesses because we couldn't get it right and take all those stupid mistakes and implement it with success and not have to go through all that pain. I love it. That's a brilliant way of looking at how you're structuring your business, you know, looking in the rearview mirror isn't always as predictive, right? As what you need to do going forward. Yeah. And I'm curious, you're a big data guy, right? Yeah. So, you know, how have you really incorporated data into the way you build your business, you market your business, you maybe make your investing decisions, you know, building wealth. Like how is that? What's your outlook on data? Well, I'll give you even the background, but I mean, like the story I just told is based on data, right? It's the feedback of things not working. Right. But in the, let me just take it back and then we can get into that sort of macro discussion, but the micro is, um, in politics, and I wrote this book called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula That Elects Presidents. And really, the key to the whole thing is it's a five-step formula, but this is step one, which is uh, having a deep dive into the data and politics of the voter and business world of your customer or client. And it's it there are easy attainable ways to get deep understanding of who you want to talk to, how you want to talk to them, and in a way that's empathetic, discussing your product or service with them in a way that resonates with the customer or the client, not with what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm so married to this idea that I went out and created a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. And so the database that we work out of right now has 230 million American consumers We're tra- uh, with 550 million connected devices. Wow. We're tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. And so what we're able to do is tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer, because what we do is we overlay a customer base, an investor base, a client base. We track their movements online because we basically have about 10,000 tags on every single American. And then we're able to just sit there and tell you, here are the social media platforms your customers or clients or investors are on in a chronological order. Kind of important if you're going to invest a lot of money into marketing, right? Right, right? So like, for example, we work with a company that's a Shark Tank company. And what we found was that they were spending 
85% of their dollars on Facebook. When we looked at their customer base and their ideal market, so we can do like a modeled audience or lookalike audience, and we looked at website visitors, and we found out in all four of those, Facebook was the number four performing platform for all of their customers, um, their prospects, and their website visitors. And they didn't know it, yet they were spending 85% of their dollars on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not here to play a marketing guessing game. I'm here to play money ball with your dollars as a business owner. And my thing is, I'm not saying you shouldn't spend money on Facebook for that particular company, but should you be spending 85%? And I, when I asked them, why are you spending 85% of your dollars on Facebook? They said, I don't know, Facebook. <laughs> you know, like there's no answer to it. And that's how most business uh, owners are. They don't know. I do, right? Because I'm looking at the data. I know that particular company, the number one platform for their customer base, their website visitor, and their prospect base was Pinterest. They had never even thought about advertising on Pinterest. They were spending 85% of their dollars on Facebook. So what we did are able to do is rearrange how your budget on marketing looks so it's in alignment with where your customers are and then the message of what they want to hear from you as a business owner or your product or service. And so um, we're, you know, in the way, that's how we do this for politics. That's how we look at voters. If you have a politician out there talking about things that don't resonate with voters, well, you're not going to go very far. And so my thing is, one of the things that we can, and in, in this like data, like I can tell you your customers' top three values in life. I can tell you what they read specifically, the publications they read, what they watch specifically, the shows they watch. Um, I can tell you why they buy product, your products and services and why they buy any product and service, whether it's based on price, quality, convenience, whatever the factor. I can tell you all that. that. That is a huge risk elimination move in your business when you talk about marketing. Huge. Yet 99.9% of business owners don't follow this approach. And maybe 100% of marketers don't follow this approach, except for the ones that kind of work in the Fortune 200 zone. Yeah. But, but they're following a different formula than I follow. And so, but they do look at data. I mean, they spend millions, if not, you know, some, some companies, billions on their data every year for their marketing. The reason they're Fortune 200 companies is because they focused on how important their, their customer or client data is to their marketing, right? So before any business owner goes out and spends a dollar, get to know everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer so that you can market to them more effectively on the right channels and the right message. For example, if you knew, Matt, that your the customer in your business, right, um, only cared about, you know, we, we love to talk about uh, all of us do. I'm I'm totally guilty of this, but we love to brag about our founder story. I, I mean, I heck, I just told you my founder story. Love it, right? Yeah. But what if you knew that your customer, your client, only really cared about 25% of that story? Would you continue to keep talking about the 75% they don't care about, or would you take the 25% and optimize that performance of that story? Right. That's what I'm talking about that I want to do in the marketing to your customer. Find out where there's an alignment where the customer loves what your product sells and you love talking about what that product does and create a marketing campaign on the right platforms around that, not around the things that they're like, they keep talking about, I don't know, uh, how comfortable this thing is. I don't care about comfort. I want convenience. Like that's where people get it wrong over and over and over again. And so that's what I'm obsessed with. So, I mean, really, when you talk about it from a macro sense, like what you brought asked originally, I just, data kind of informs everything I do. When I look at my financials, that is the strategy where I devise the strategy of my own business. Yep. I can see what sells the most, what sells the least, what... Uh, the salespeople have the right performance, the wrong performance. I can look, my, my, my P&L every year, every month is nothing more than a strategy document. It tells me everything I want to know. I love my financials. I'm like obsessed on, I'm an ADD guy who loves math. So I'm you know, obsessed with the financials because it tells me everything I need to know and how my business is running and what we need to adjust in real time. I love it. Now, you talked about the, the five steps that, I'm sure we we won't have to 
dig into each one of them, but you know, the, the five step kind of, uh, undefeated marketing plan, you said data was number one. Yeah. What were two through five? So two through five, the second one is now that you know what your customers or clients want, you got to go build a strategic plan around it. Like with this particular company, they haven't, they have to have a new budget, right? The, the, the short tank company, that's about, right? Yep. They, they need to see what a money ball budget looks like, where they need to spend the right money and the right platforms at the right time with the right message, right? So many business owners run out and create marketing campaigns that are all tactical. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 100,000% tactical. I don't know. Throw some uh, Instagram ads up. I don't know. Throw some Facebook ads up. Oh, my gosh. They didn't work. I can't figure out why. Um. You have a, a business plan for your business. Why don't you have a business plan for your marketing? And, and I don't know what that business plan looks like until I see the data. And I tell you how you should spend your money, what the messages should be, and the platforms you should be going on. That's the key to why you have a plan second, not first. The third step for us, and this is where almost every marketing agency in the world gets this wrong, and they're screwing every business over, own, over owner over by not getting it right. And sometimes it's ignorance, and sometimes it's deliberate. But they get they the brand building your brand is third in my in my opinion. Here's why: Why would you build a brand to send people to your website to buy something or learn about you or you know uh, to to you know invest in you or whatever it is if it doesn't speak to them? Why would you ever do that? How many people out there build a website before they have any idea what their customers, clients, investors, or whoever else knows what they want from that business? Mm -hmm. So my thing is, you should know what the data says first. You should build your plan. And then you should build your, your website, your brand, or whatever it is. So there's an alignment between your vision and what the brand looks like. And again, if you want to eliminate the risk in your marketing, get your brand right before you go spend money. Because if you're going to spend all this money and they're going to come back to your website and they're going to go, eh, doesn't really speak to me. That's a problem, right? Uh, I think CompuWare has got a great stat that says 88% of customers in the United States right now, if they have one bad experience in your website, they'll never come back. Mm. So why build it first before you even know what they want, Yeah, right? That's what the key is. It drives me nuts. These people get so, so wrong. And like in politics, it's the same thing. We find out in the political campaign, you know, we find out where you the, the politician has alignment with the voters, right? So it's the, the politician believes in it, but it has the right alignment with the voters. And then when we build, let's say, their website, we're only going to focus on those two, maybe three issues. Yeah, That's it. We may want to talk. We, the politician may want to talk about 25 issues. Who cares? I'm going to tell that politician, no way. You're talking about two or three issues because when we send people to that website to learn more about you, they need to go, oh, that speaks to me. I like that. I'm going to vote for that guy. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be 25 issues that they go, oh my God, I'm bored as hell at this thing. I can't, this guy believes in what? No, I don't believe in it. Like, no, eliminate all that. So the brand comes third. The fourth is now every marketing agency in the world does this, but we just do it a little differently. It's A-B testing of the messages. Uh, most marketing agencies sit around a conference room table and they brainstorm ideas on a brand or a message or an ad campaign. They go, Ooh, that company's so cool. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Then let's go A-B test our ideas that we just made up on the top of our head. Yeah, let's do that. And then they're reinforced because one of them will outperform the other. That's just so stupid to me. So what I do is I take the eight or nine or 10 ideas we find in the data and that's what we A-B test. Mm. Because we already know it's going to work, yep. all of them. But why not figure out what works the best? So again, it's a risk elimination system. Ultimately, you're going to find one or two of the issues you find in the customer data or the client data or the investor data blows through the roof. And you're like, I don't know why that is, but it blew through. Now, do you have confidence that when you go spend your app marketing and ad dollars, that you're going to actually have a higher return on investment than if you just guess it all over the place and run a bunch of tactical campaigns. So for us, that's the first four steps. And then the fifth step is it's time to launch your marketing campaign. And with a, you know, to eliminating all your risk and ensuring that you're going to have a successful marketing approach. I love it. 
great steps. And if you guys want the full breakdown, we'll be sure to include the link to uh, Philip's book on millionairemindcast.com. So be sure to check that out. In terms of data, because I'm I'm always loving, I'm a big data guy as well. Um, you know, I, I I like to make data driven decisions, check the ego and the emotion at the door every day because. I think too many people want to be right instead of wanting to win and you wanting to be right often clouds, right? Your uh, best data-driven decision-making capabilities with emotion. um, And it prevents a lot of people from winning. Where are you pulling a lot of your data from? I know probably most of your stuff is enterprise level, but where can someone who maybe wants to, you know, get access on a lower level to some of these things, you know, pull some some good data? What are, what are some good resources for them? Man, there's so many different ways to do this. So a little background, uh, a little self-promoting, but I'll, I'll background. So the, the partnership I had that my clients work with, so we work with like big companies, uh, Fortune 200 companies, NASCAR, but we work with a lot of startups and a lot of small businesses that don't have a lot of money. Yep. So what I, by getting, I, I pay for a license agreement to this. I'm the only marketing agency in the world that has it, uh, access to this data. But I, I've just interpreted data my entire career. Even in politics, I would interpret voter data just differently, right? So... I went into the data partner and I asked for a partnership with them. And they said, yeah, you have to pay a million dollars a year for the licensing agreement. We do. That's how much I mortgaged the idea of this. Um, and in, in return, I get to charge what I want. So we charge between 7,500 and 15,000 for a data report for business. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. If you think about it, it's actually not that expensive in order to avoid all the mistakes that you're going to make and spend a lot of money and then yep. lose time and all that stuff. So that that's the way that we charge. Now, if you're not they're like, man, I can't even afford that. There are lots of other ways that you have to do it. And there are other ways that I did before I had any money, which is you can do uh, some expenditures on Google's Google and, and look at Google Analytics. You can do Facebook Analytics. You can look at Instagram's analytics. You can get some kind of feedback. You can do survey monkeys to your customers. You can give them incentives to fill it out, 10% discount next time they buy, things like that. Uh, I don't know if you know who James Altucher is. Yeah, great. Uh, great podcast. A uh, lot, lot of He's a data guy. Yeah, so James uh, wrote the forward of my book. I've been on his podcast about 10 times. Uh, actually spent the night at his house last week in Atlanta. Um, and How was that? Was that, was that fun? He's such an eclectic, cool dude. dude. Like I've always admired him from yeah, afar. Yeah, he's one of, my, one of my dearest friends in the world. I was going to say, I'm curious what it's like being in proximity to, you know, eclectic people like that always make for great conversation and just expansion, you know, uh, in terms of mindset. So I could sit there and talk to him like six hours. And just ask questions. But yeah, we're just, we've become really, really good, good buddies. But, you know, he asked me the same question you asked. 
And I said, well, give me an example of a business and I'll play the scenario out. So he said, okay, restaurant. I want to create a restaurant. How would you, if you didn't have much money and you didn't, couldn't afford your data, what would you do? And I'd say, well, the first thing I'd do is fly, I'd fly in the neighborhood with discount, like a buy one, get one free, you know, check or discount, whatever, what a coupon or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd get people into the restaurant. And then I would task the, the servers with uh, identifying what customer, ask them every single customer, what did you like? What did you not like? And then record that data in a spreadsheet. I'd then look at the uh, the point of sales every single day. What are people buying? What are they not buying? I would change the menu items best on that. I would say if they're buying, uh, you know, cheeseburgers and pizza, then we need to have more different types of cheese, uh, cheeseburgers and pizzas. And uh, I would take things off the menu that didn't work. I would, when people leave, say, hey, thank you for your feedback. Here's a 5% uh, uh, you know, coupon for the next time you come back. So you're getting them back a second time. Because if you know that somebody comes back two times, they're going to keep coming back, right? Yep. So you want to ensure that you get people in the door and then you want to ensure you keep them and you want to take all the data that they're giving you and you want to operate optimize it so you're giving them what they're seeking from the experience of working with you or coming into your restaurant. And that's just one way. There's Look, uh, when you don't have a lot of money and you are bootstrapping it, which I've done with every single one of my businesses, you just have to be innovative and scrappy and think differently, yes. right? I, I can give you a couple examples, but you know, I don't know the people listening. I don't know your business. You got to figure that out, right? There are a lot of different ways to get data, look at data. They don't cost a lot. Is it the best? No, but it's something. It's mm-hmm. better than zero. Yep. So go do it. And then when you're able to, you know, hire and look at customer data, whether it's through me or someone else, I don't care, but you know, utilize that and grow it and get better at it. That's who that, those are the successful businesses. Look, Every Fortune 200 company is there right now because they play money ball with their marketing. They are very strategic. They have ex- they know exactly what the data says. They deliver it very, very, very specifically to them, right? That there is not a TV ad, radio ad, or digital ad made by a Fortune 200 company that is not running it through an AI machine right now. When I say AI machine, that, that they are literally every single copy of every single ad you see right now from a big company has been optimized by AI from in, in AI for performance. Every single the words have been changed exactly. There is no human element in their marketing. Interesting. And, and so what I'm telling you right now is that's where the world's going. So if you don't want to get on board and you go, ah, that sounds good, but I don't have like, well, you're gonna lose. Honestly, you're gonna lose. Like, why wouldn't you do what the billion dollar companies are doing in a smaller way. Why wouldn't you do that? It just, yep. it, and I'm going to tell you this right now, Matt, 90, I keep saying 99, 99, 100, 99, 90, but it's true. 99% of business owners know this and they still won't do anything to change. It's insane to me, but we get to work with the people that do want to change. And that's been pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, right, you, you have to understand that, Things are changing so fast and so rapidly now. If you don't get on board, you will get left behind. You know, the pandemic obviously accelerated a lot of stuff, right? And and highlighted a lot of exposure that, you know, people who weren't willing to pivot and adapt in a very short time frame, you, you die, right? And so in terms of where you see, you know, marketing and opportunities in the future, this obviously sounds like a threat to a lot of people that aren't willing to get on board. Where do you see some of the opportunities that you guys are really excited about leaning into on the macro scale you're playing at? Uh, well, we're doing a lot in professional sports right now, and they take a very analytics approach. That's how they run their teams. So they're going to look at running their marketing that way. Yeah. And so that's been a lot of fun. We're really entering into the college uh, sports marketing now that now, now the that players can get paid. Right. Yep. And, um, so that's been super interesting. What I'm, uh, what I'm really excited about is just the, the ability that this, that technology is doing to eliminate the risk of the market. There's a window and I know the window is probably 24 months before everybody piles in, right. It's kind of like, Google ads back in 2004, 2005, right? Yep. Uh, you could get Google ads really cheap, make a lot of money on your products. And then all of a sudden everybody started doing it. And now it's, you know, instead of five cents a word, it's $8 a word or whatever. So 
I know the next 24 months, what we're the, what the approach we're doing, the businesses we work with are going to have infinite success and be positioned to explode and get past their competition before everybody else. Mm. Um, you know, we are very selective with who we work with. So unless I, I, the difference is I call it committed versus interested. So there are 1% of business owners are committed to playing a money ball approach with their marketing. And 99% are interested. They're really interested in what I'm talking about today. Yeah. But then this, this little shiny object floats by and then they go interested into the shiny object. And I get it. I'm a business owner. I've chased a lot of shiny objects. But marketing in a way that follows a data-backed approach and plays Moneyball is not easy. It's methodical. It's hard work. And it's ultimately what will prove successful for every business. Like every business we work with has grown their bottom line through the pandemic, every single one, because I've eliminated all of their risk in their marketing before they go out and spend all the money mm-hmm. that they want to spend. And so I'm excited to work with those kind of companies. I'm excited to see how these businesses are going to grow in the next two years when, when you're going to see a lot of businesses fail. I mean, yeah. a lot. They're yeah. holding on right now for dear life because of the pandemic. Maybe they had a, a burst of great energy for about a year and a half during the pandemic, and all of a sudden things have settled down. And now we've got inflation, and now we got a recession, and now we got all these things. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh my God, my business is very vulnerable. Well, it wouldn't have been vulnerable had they marketed it a certain way at a time when everybody says, don't market a certain way, don't market at all, hoard your money, don't do anything, right? Our clients double down in that moment. And they're all having record-breaking years and months since then. And that's what I'm excited about is to continue to help those businesses that want to go in that direction. What have you seen in terms of, you know, whether it's in the political sphere or just consumers in general, like what have you seen in terms of this psychology that's obviously driving maybe different behaviors that people should be paying attention to? Yeah, there's really um, uh, basically three types of consumers right now we see in our data. There's the overwhelmed consumer. You can imagine who that is. It's basically you and me, uh, our our demo, right? Uh, We have uh, families. We're, you know, basically 30 to 55. We've got kids. Um, We're, you know, Price on everything has gone up. It's overwhelming. We're going to have to make more money just to get to where we were two years ago. So there's this overwhelmed consumer. And, and we, if you if you guys are interested, we put out a free data report on this. Oh, cool. You can download. It's called, it's the State of Consumer 2022. Um, and I'll go, th- we do, it's, you know, 15 pages of these three types of consumers. You put uh, that out had, quarterly? No, we just put it out in April uh, just a one-time thing, but I'm telling you, we've had 50,000 downloads of this report for free. We've given it away for free. It's email, op, email, yep. Uh, it's winbigmedia.com slash COVID. Okay. Uh, Cause we were putting out uh, free data reports every month during COVID because we felt like we needed to give back to business owners without taking anything. And then we put out this massive report. So the number one consumer right now, it's the overwhelmed consumer. Number two is the influenced consumer. Um, so that's the person that sees some, you know, some influencer and wants to buy something. They're very influenced by others. And then the third is the activist consumer. Boy, you see a lot of activism these days. Um, but it's really a minority consumer. So unless you are Patagonia <laughs> or Nike, the activist consumer doesn't affect a lot of people. Yeah. The, the vast majority are the overwhelmed and the influenced that are there. In, inside of your business as a customer. But again, you'll read all about them. You'll read the platforms they're on. You'll read the messages they want to receive. And that's uh, winbigmedia.com slash COVID. And it's the 2022 uh, consumer data report. And it's free. It's an email opt-in only, but that's it. So you guys are obviously using a lot of data on the marketing side of things. Uh, that's also kind of your how you're positioning your, as you've said, right, your strategic plan a lot of that is based on what the data is telling you. Yeah. What is the data telling you in terms of the overall economics of where our you know country is at and where it might be headed? And how are you guys kind of positioning yourselves in terms of the marketing from what you're seeing? Well, we're positioning ourselves to say we're the only ones in the market that are going to tell you what how you need to look. Here's what we've been able to do. And again, this is this is a hard medicine for any business owner. 
because we were living in a world before the pandemic where you could literally have evergreen marketing campaigns. You could run one marketing campaign for five years and it would you wouldn't have to change. We live in a month-to-month world. Matt, your business probably feels month-to-month in a lot of ways, right? My business is month-to-month. Like yep. I better be on my toes thinking about what's going to... Like, this month worked out great. Well, next month could be totally different. Right. We didn't live in that world two years ago. We live in that world now. And customers and clients are literally changing why they're buying the reasons that they're buying every single month. So for our clients, we're able to tell them we got to pivot your message now rather than six months from now when you're on the verge of collapse. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing, you know, more than anything else, and again, the best way to answer this is we've literally put out like over 15 different data reports since March of 2020 for free to tell them what's going on in the economy, how their customers are viewing the economy. And we've given all of this stuff away for free. And it's all on that same page I gave you, that, that website. But cool. my, my, my point is that you've got a very angst-driven customer right now. I, I was on uh, doing an interview with Fox Business over this report. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And and there there's just anxiety everywhere. And if you don't address that anxiety, it's the elephant in the room. Like yeah. you got to address it. And then you got to sell in a way that assures them that if they buy your product or service, they're going to make it through okay. That's what I'm seeing more than anything else. But so many people are like, eh, let's just keep selling the way we always sell. What you can't do that anymore. And by the way, I may tell you something totally different in two months. I just don't know until I see the data. And we used to be able, with our clients, we used to say, look, we're going to look at the data every every quarter or every six months for you guys. Now we're like, we got to have a review every month. Every month. We're going to re-review your customer data and tell you what you need to do, how you need to pivot, where our ads are. They can say, hey, this campaign's working really well. And I'm like, sorry, we're, we're quitting that campaign right now. We're pivoting to something else. That's the kind of things we're talking about internally. I love that. I think and, these- and I, I, let me let me be I always one, one thing. Um, I don't, you know, the reason I was talking about the Shark Tank company a little while ago. The reason they were spending 85% of their dollars on Facebook was because they had a Facebook marketing agency that they were paying. Do you think that Facebook marketing agency is ever going to tell them that Facebook isn't the best platform that they need to send <laughs> right. customers? You are marketing platform agnostic, I I take it. I don't make anything on the platforms. I look at the data and I tell you where to go and how to pivot. That's sort of my moral compass in this is that uh, what you see is what you get. I'm going to tell you where you need to go. You can ignore it and and pay the price or you can follow because I don't have any bias in this. There's literally no bias in me. I don't care. I make our fees regardless. The only duty I have is to tell you what you need to do by what the data tells us. So when you're working on political campaigns, right, and, and the stakes obviously being very high there, the stakes being very high of a marketing campaign for a business owner to succeed and get an ROI, you know, when, when you're attacking some of these, you know, strategies and campaigns, are you just following those five steps at, at your highest level that you guys execute on those? Yeah, the, the difference is my opponent is also following the five steps. So how, how are you edging out that, that win? Whoever innovates the most. Mm. Uh, we were working on a congressional race in Texas in 2020, a guy named Roger Williams. He was targeted as a top 10. Uh, the Democrats had targeted him as one of their top 10 takeouts. They were just going to take him out, beat him. And so we implement, we looked at the data and we found in that particular data that, uh, you know, healthcare and what was going on with the pandemic and how we were going to address vaccines and everything like that. How, what was, that was the most important thing. Um, one of the bills being passed in Congress at that moment was a, um, was about pre, pre-existing conditions and whether they'd be covered. Well, Rod, Roger had a pre-existing condition. He had had cancer before. So we knew that. But we also knew that we were going to get attacked on that. So by looking at the data, we knew the attacks were going to come. And we knew you know, like how we needed to blunt those attacks. So we actually went out and cut an ad to blunt 
the ad that had not run yet to attack him. And sure enough, the opponent, now I can't think of her name, but the opponent, this woman, like in August of 2020, or maybe it was September 2020, starts running ads uh, saying, you know, something about the pre-existing condition and Roger was a horrible human being. And boom, within a day, we had our ad up, Roger to camera saying, I've lived and beat cancer. I have a pre-existing condition. Here are the reasons I'm supporting this bill. This is a, it annihilated her. But because we out-innovated them in the five steps, we were faster than they were, mm. that we beat them to the punch. Roger ended up winning that race by like 15 points. It was like the, the of all the targeted races, congressional races in the country that year, he won by the biggest margin. And it wasn't anything we did specifically uh, other than we followed the five steps and we were very quick in, the, in out-innovating our opponents. Where this comes incredible on the business side is there is not one marketing agency in America other than mine that is doing these five steps. So if a business owner follows them on their own or they get their marketing agency to follow them or they you know, bring us on or whatever, you're not running against anybody else. It's you and no other competitor is using these five steps. That's where I saw the niche in the marketplace and why uh, I'm so passionate about it. Are you working on any exciting campaigns for the midterms right now? Well, I think we've got like four or five U.S. Senate races, four or five governor's races, and about 15 congressional races. Wow. That's awesome. And on the overall, you know, um, economic landscape for yourself and your business, you know, you're obviously making great money building wealth through your businesses. Mm -hmm. What does your investment strategy, macro, micro, based on data you're seeing look like for you? It's just diversified, like any smart person would tell you. A uh, little bit of crypto, a little bit of investment, uh, real estate, a little bit of stocks. Um, most of it is in the business. That yeah. feels the safest right now with yeah. anything. Um, you know, I've got friends of mine that tell me, well, you don't have enough physical assets. And that's where the investments need to go right now. Physical things, things that matter in a broken society because it feels like that's the way we're headed. And so that's one of the things I'm kind of looking at. What, what are the physical assets? As stupid as this sounds, tools, the ability to uh, create power, the ability to have water, physical assets that in a broken society have value is one of the things that I'm sort of investigating and, and purchasing and getting ready for. For, you know, data you're seeing in terms of the, um, you know, climate and landscape, you got a young nine-year-old daughter, obviously we were talking about, you know, our, our, our kids here before the show, you know, how, how are you using the data to drive your, your personal life and what decisions you're making, you know, in, uh, I'm trying to get out of, of that because world. that, uh, having that mentality when it comes to having presence with your family, it's kind of a, tricky situation. So I, I, I've in the last year, I've really worked at not being that way mm. and at trying to just give my presence and feel more than be analytical. Mm. And I think that's probably the better way to go for me. Good balance. Everybody's different. Some people, like I have friends of mine, uh, I'm in this the greatest mastermind in the history of the world. It's called Front Row Dads. You ever heard of it? Yeah, John, you've had John Vroman on, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. John Vroman's yeah. a great friend. Yeah. So I'm in Front Row Dads. And um, uh, if you if, look it up for anybody, it's the best mastermind that's ever existed. It has nothing to do with business. Um, but I've just learned through that that for me, everybody's different. Like we have guys in Front Row Dads. It's a, again, it's a mastermind of how to be better husbands and fathers. And I have, uh, guys in that group. And they're like, my wife and I sit down every Sunday and we have a two hour meeting and we go over spreadsheets about family activities and all this. And my wife would divorce me if I ever pulled out a spreadsheet. In front of her. <laughs> like, she's like, get that fucking thing away from me. Like, I don't like, she's all feel right. And in a way, I, everybody's different. So my advice is not for everybody. Right. But for me, I'm so analytical that I have to adjust if I want to have a healthier balance in my family life. And that it, it is 
true. Like, uh, it's not something I'm like, well, this is what I have to do. No, it's something I want to do. And it's probably better to make me a more balanced human being uh, in general. What's one of your superpowers that you feel like is something more people could build the skill as you've built it over the course of your career in your life? Man, I, uh, I, if you had asked me that question six months ago, I'd have popped out an answer in a second and told you what an expert I am. But what I've learned more than anything is I, I just need to humble myself right now. Mm. Um, I've built a great life, but what, what do I want to be, you know, do I want to, uh, you know, you know, do I, if I can make all the money I want and build all the businesses I want, but there's the things that are going to have to suffer for me to do that. And so, and that's my family, right? They always get the the low end of the stick. And so for me right now, I don't know. I, I you know, look, I've overcome a ton of uh, childhood trauma. I've worked really hard, done a lot of therapy, done psychedelics, going back, doing psychedelics tomorrow, actually. Um, all of that stuff has been incredibly impactful in my life. Um, but to think that I've got anything licked uh, or that I'm some super uh, expert in anything, I-, I think is a misnomer. I love it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm humble enough to know that every day is different and I got to show up in various ways to various people and I need to be my best. And anytime I'm not my best, that's just my trauma being pushed out on someone else. And I've got to, I got to be a better leader if, if I'm going to be the, who I'm supposed to be. And mm. when I want to, when I die, I don't want to have any regrets. So I, I'm an evolving mess and I'll never like people they, again, six months, a year ago, I told you, Oh, I got everything figured out. I don't have anything figured out. And not only that, like I'll now I'll be 72 years old and say, man, I just learned, I got 20 other things that I'm not doing right. Like I'm always going to evolve. I'm always going to grow, but where that goes, I don't know. Psilocybin or ayahuasca. So I've done LSD and MDMA a bunch. Um, no, I'm doing ketamine tomorrow. Uh, I'm doing psilocybin in August uh, on top of with, stacked with MDMA. And, uh, and those are at, you know, like retreats or. I, I have person people. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in the underground. Yeah. World. Yeah. That, that, I was, um, we've had some, some really badass entrepreneurs and, and business owners on the show and, you know, whether it's a variety, right. Of the, of the spectrum that, that has seemed to be an interesting dynamic Look, that has taken. I, I'm not opposed to ayahuasca, but I think I'm not going to some retreat in South America or in Costa Rica. If like ayahuasca is not a, um, uh, it's not a joke and it's not a, I don't no, want to run not. around and tell no, it, man, I've, I've done ayahuasca. Like it's, I'm not that. Like yeah, no, it's, I, I've done eight years of talk therapy. When I hit walls in talk therapy, I go back in and do the psychedelics because it breaks the wall. And then I integrate that experience through talk therapy for another year or two. And then I hit a wall and then I break and I break through by doing it. And so I would do ayahuasca. I'm probably to the point now where I feel like I'm ready for it, it's but intense. it's not, it's not some kind of retreat that I'm going to do with my buddies and then tell everybody how my life is so much better. Like I, it's just not that it's not a joke to me. It's, it, it's uh it's a really serious thing. Yeah. And so I just want to be thoughtful about it. I love it, man. I think it's the right approach. And uh, yeah. yeah, my, my experience has been very similar to what you're, you're sharing. It's, it's, it's very, um, you have to honor the the practice and, and everything that goes into it. It's not just yeah. a, let's go have fun and have a personal development breakthrough type of experience. But yeah. uh, Philip, brother, it has been an absolute blast hearing about one business side to your you know personal journey that you've been on. I know a lot of people are going to want to check out what you guys got going on. So obviously we'll link up all of the, the websites and resources to the book and um, to everything that you have going on at millionermindcast.com. But for those that want to follow or, or write it down one more time, where's the best places for them to... Yeah, I think if you're you interested in how our data model works, we do have a free 30-minute call with my team that walk you through it all. It's, uh, it's, it's philipstutz.com slash insights. Um, so philipstutz.com slash insights. You buy my book at any bookstore, online retailer philipstuts.com. You could subscribe to my podcast, the Undefeated Marketing Podcast. 
We give a lot away for free, right? I write a blog. We have a podcast. My book costs what eight bucks. Like you can distill pretty much twenty five years worth of work for about eight dollars. So it's pretty pretty good, uh, pretty pretty good amount of stuff out there for free. Philip, appreciate your time today, brother. Thanks. Yeah, so much. brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info on how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.